the newest podcast covering all aspects of the biodiesel, renewable diesel, and sustainable aviation fuel industries is here. From the experts at Clean Fuels Alliance America, it's the Better, Cleaner, Now podcast. Authentic conversations uncovering the dynamic benefits of clean renewable fuels. From enhanced performance and immediate cost savings to lower emissions, positive economic impact, and improved air quality. The benefits keep growing. Bringing you the insights that fuel progress, this is the Better, Cleaner, Now podcast with your host, Scott Tremaine. And welcome to the premiere episode of the Better, Cleaner, Now podcast. I'm Clean Fuels Alliance America's Director of Digital Content, Scott Tremaine, and to tell you all about the podcast and what to expect, it's my pleasure to introduce Clean Fuels CEO Donnell Rehagen and our Director of Communications, Heather Buchter. Scott, thank you. We are so excited to welcome a host of experts throughout the show just to break down the jargon, bust the myths, and answer questions about biodiesel, renewable diesel, and sustainable aviation fuel. A lot to talk about, Donnell, and a very exciting time to be part of this industry. Oh, you're absolutely right, Heather. And and, uh, I think this is a great opportunity for us to start taking our message to a broader audience. And uh, this podcast is going to be our mechanism for Reaching that broader audience, there's a lot of excitement about our industry and a lot of things to talk about, as you mentioned. So here we go. So let's go ahead and start with the industry itself. Give me a give me an update on what people who have maybe heard the term biodiesel, renewable diesel, sustainable aviation fuel is getting a lot of attention right now. What is the state of our industry? Well, I personally believe we're uh, we're on the way up, as we've been for a number of years. But the excitement about our fuels, the carbon reduction uh, impacts that our fuels are having are being widely recognized now. Nothing's changed about our fuels. They've always been the same fuels, but they're now being recognized for qualities that maybe they weren't being recognized for before. So then you add in the new fuels, renewable diesel in the last decade or so, sustainable aviation fuel over the last several years. And uh, we're an industry with a lot, a lot, a lot to offer. A lot to offer, and a lot of it is connected, to with agriculture. And for people who don't know a lot about our fuels, there's a very tight tie, and that's where our roots are based. In Missouri, it came from agriculture. So give me a brief history of just who Clean Fuels Alliance America is, because we were formerly the National Biodiesel Board. Yeah, and actually before that, we were the National Soy Diesel Development Board for a brief period of time, as the soybean farmers in the United States were looking for a value-added market for the oil, which is just a portion of the overall bean. Uh, Soybeans, about 80% protein and 20% oil. So as they were trying to grow their industry, grow more soybeans, grow more protein for the food uh, markets, they were getting held back by what are they going to do with this oil. And so they uh, started some research projects at the soybean, the state soybean level, and started looking for a larger commercial application. And fuel was the idea because you'd seen something similar on the ethanol side with corn. And so they ultimately ended up forming the National Soy Diesel Development Board. And that the charge there was to commercialize this fuel. Um, they renamed the National Biodiesel Board, now Clean Fuels Alliance America, as we embrace these other fuels. So we've had a long, long history from the very beginning tied to American agriculture. And it's something we're still proud of, very, very proud of today. And we should mention our fuels are a diverse mix of 
soybean oil, canola oil, um, animal fats, used cooking. cooking oil, which is something that is really intriguing to me because at one point restaurants were paying people to come take the oil. It's the opposite now. It, it very much is. And that's that's another value added that our industry has been able to provide. As, as you mentioned, uh, restaurants typically would have been paying somebody to come in and, and take those used oils away. And now they're being paid for those because of that high value. So, And you also look at distiller's corn oil as a very much for us a growing feedstock as well. That's a byproduct of ethanol production. So we're using all of these oils and fats that really don't have another great, great use, and we're turning them into one of the cleanest fuels on the planet. So it's just a great, great story, and we're looking forward to telling more about it. Exactly. And that's what this platform will obviously provide is a deeper dive into all the nuances of our industry as well. And I want to go ahead and mention, too, that it's not just going to be us hosting each episode. And that's kind of the beauty of all this too, is that we have program managers within Clean Fuels Alliance America that are really top-notch and experts in their particular area. Um, I know the terms might sound a little bit daunting at times for people too. So that's where they're going to come in and really break down all the um, the hard to understand concepts and really put it into layman's terms so people like our broader audience can understand it too. Go ahead and touch on some of the areas of expertise that we have in-house here at Clean Fuels. Yeah, I always say we're, we're not your typical trade association. You know, we, we do lobbying, we do policy work at the federal level and the state level, but you can't win on those without having a baseline of information and knowledge and, and resources available to you. So we've built a very robust trade association to represent our members here. Uh, we have a very robust technical program. Uh, environmental science program. You, of course, head up our communications program, uh, a development program. And so all of those programs together provide the resources, the information that's needed for our policy uh, leaders to be successful. And and also for us to work uh, hand in hand with OEMs, engine manufacturers. I mean, this is not a simple industry. When you think about uh, energy, you think about uh, transportation, there's a lot of elements to trying to uh, commercialize a, a fuel or to introduce a new fuel, whether that be renewable diesel or SAF or, you know, two decades ago, biodiesel. So we've had to have those kinds of resources. And so we've developed over decades uh, experts on those subjects that reside right here within the staff of clean fuels. And so we're going to be excited, Heather, to put some of them behind this microphone and sharing updates, current uh current updates on what's going on in their respective areas. But as you also said, just kind of breaking down the basics and educating people along the way as to what's going on in our industry and where things are going. Yeah, I know a lot of our program managers speak at different events. Um, They host webinars. They kind of do a host of things. So it's really going to be nice to bring them in here and just talk about what they're doing too. Yeah, exactly. They they are some. I always I talk about this a lot here um, at the staff level. How important it is to be passionate about what we do. Being smart is is a given. We've got to have really really smart people, and we do. But they also all possess this passion for this industry, a passion for the people that we work with passion for the people we work for, and they want to see this industry succeed. It's almost like a personal mantra of theirs. And so that always comes out as well. And I think they represent us well. And I'm looking forward to to seeing them here in the studio as well. Yeah. And I think um, it's important to note too, that each program manager has a different topic that they're going to be discussing, obviously. Um, But but really, 
this is going to be something that anyone can understand. So if you're new to clean energy and you're just trying to find more information, or maybe you are in the weeds in the OEM world, we're going to be bringing all of that to the table with our experts, but also they're so connected with um, everyone in their field that we are going to have the experts outside of clean fuels here as well, too. Yeah, exactly. We've talked about this, you know, how the real goal is to bring a broad message to our listeners of this podcast. And so although that may be a Scott Fenwick, who's our technical director, he may he may be bringing in a, a, a leader from one of the OEMs to, to talk about specifically what's going on with new diesel technology. Um, same thing with all of our other program managers as well. So, yeah, it's not going to be a podcast of clean fuels talking to clean fuels. It's going to be a podcast series for us to be talking to the broader industry and bringing in a lot of outside uh, insight uh, from industry, but also from those who may have questions or concerns or or doubt about our fuels. And so that's what we want to be able to uh, to accomplish with our podcast. And we here at Clean Fuels also um, do the research on our fuels, like you mentioned. Um, but it's also exciting to share that, too. And I think there's so many different layers that people can connect with. For me, I think one of the uh, the Trinity study with our health benefits study on it, the impact our fuels have on cleaner air for people in general, especially in urban areas, um, so impactful to see the environmental aspect of it, too. We have things like this going on behind the scenes every day. All the time. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. And and it's things like that that I was talking about earlier where we have to put this data together to be able to make policy or regulatory arguments. And many times when we get finished with that, you know, we set it aside and, and wait till we might need it the next time. And so this, this media here is going to give us an opportunity to share that with a broader audience because you're right, the Trinity study is a great example of something that we, we sort of started it for one reason, but now that we know what we've learned, it's like there's a lot of people that need to hear a lot more about that because there's a lot of lives that are being impacted today and that we can have a positive impact on just simply by using our fuels. And that's what that study said, and we need to get that word out. Exactly. The use of just switching to B100 reduces asthma cases. It could impact cancer cases. Um, Just a host of health benefits that come from that. Yeah, exactly. So touching on some of the topics, that Trinity study being one of them, policy obviously has a big impact on where states are heading and federal policy as well. But a lot of the states have taken action recently in implementing low-carbon fuel standards. And we've had a guest as well who uh, used to be on our staff. He's now a senior advisor to Clean Fuels of Floyd Vergara, who really kind of helped write the low-carbon fuel standard in California. And that has had a tremendous impact on the amount of fossil fuels that they're using with heavy-duty vehicles. Yeah, Floyd's another good example of of the kind of people that we can attract to be part of our industry and to be part of our staff. And Floyd spent 30 years at CARB and was uh, one of the authors of the LCFS, which is the major uh, policy driver for our industry. I mean, we're looking now at the state of California has is using on an annual basis more biodiesel and renewable diesel than they are diesel fuel. Now, who would that's have believed incredible. that? Who, who would have <laughs> believed that you know ten years ago? And so that's how impactful policy can really be. But it doesn't just happen. And so when you talk about this Trinity study, I mean that was again a brainchild of Floyd, who recognized and knew, and knew how policymakers and regulators, especially in California, would be looking at 
What can we do to improve the lives of these people who suffer sometimes from just their surroundings, the fact that they live near an airport or near a port? And so that's if that's what is wanting to be accomplished from a policy standpoint, we have the solution. We just needed to be able to put those two things together. And that Trinity study is a really good example of that. So, um, yeah, I'm always amazed at the at the intellect and the instincts of the staff that we have and the team that we put together around them. I mean, we here at Clean Fuels have, there's 20 of us on the staff, but there's probably 75 contractors that support and bring specialties, you know, uh, in to supplement that and work alongside those program managers and our entire staff. So um, it's it's really a fun, fun, exciting place to work. And another thing I hopefully will be sharing through our podcast series. Absolutely. And we do have a podcast that we're going to feature our Clean Fuels Conference, which is just around the corner too. Um, but I want to hear from you too. What's the most exciting part for you of coming to our conference? Because this is really where we bring everyone together to discuss the industry. Well, this is our 23rd, 24th, I've lost track, but I've been to, I've been involved with every one of them except the first one. And I've seen a huge evolution of our conference. Uh, 10 or 12 years ago, it started to become much more of a business meeting as much as a, you know, educational conference. So now it's, it's got all that. So you're, there's always this buzz in the, in the aisles and the hallways and out in the coffee shops around the conference center and the hotel. So it's really exciting to me, uh, especially in January. January, February timeframe where we always have our conference early in the year to kind of kick the year off in an exciting way, bring everybody together, kind of get that momentum going, get everybody on the same page as to what our challenges are, where we're, where we're headed as an industry, and then let them start the world of business from our conference. You're listening to the Better Cleaner Now podcast. All right, welcome back. I want to hit on some of the membership within Clean Fuels Alliance America, too, because not only are our program managers diverse, but so are our members. Well, I think that's one of the things that's made our, our organization as effective as it is. Uh, yeah, we have members uh, from soybean organizations, obviously. They were our founding members, so we've got 25 state soybean associations that are members of ours. We've got feedstock companies. Uh, we've got biodiesel producers. We've got renewable diesel producers. Uh, we've got sustainable aviation fuel producers in our membership, as well as a lot of companies that support either our industry or the ag industry and have an interest in the success of our industry. So, yeah, we have about 135 member companies in our membership and that diversity, not just diversity in what they do, whether they're a grower of, of feedstock or whether they're a, a supplier of a finished fuel uh, but also uh, just the diversity of geography. We've, we benefit from that greatly in the sense that we've, we've got members in most of the states here in the United States. Absolutely. And each of them bring a unique perspective to the table. And of course, our governing board representing that perspective as well. Yeah. And that's really, really important. Um, you know, I, I speak to our members regularly about their need to be willing to serve. And that governing board, we have 15 governing board members. That's the way our bylaws are set up, elected from the membership. And the diversity, the more diversity we can get in that body, the more ideas, the more uh, the more you know, suggestions that are coming from different sectors of our industry, I think the better our decision-making can be at that level. So really kind of a tip of the hat to those leaders who are willing to invest their time and, and some of their money from their company to come in in a leadership role and, and serve the rest of the entire industry. I want to get back to the outlook for our industry. We've talked a little bit about where we've been and where we're going, but 
we're really heading toward that upward trajectory and doing it pretty quickly as well. On this podcast, we're going to be explaining a lot of the differences between biodiesel, renewable diesel. Are they better together? Are they better separate? What is being used more and what's the trajectory for each fuel as well? And of course, sustainable aviation fuel. How, how far away is that from becoming a reality on commercial flights? Um, can you give us a little bit of insight into where our industry is heading? Because like you said, we've been an organization for 30 years testing, research done all along the way, a lot of new beginnings starting to happen. But also we should have that realistic touch that there's still a lot of work behind the scenes that needs to be done. Yeah, there always is. And there always will be. I mean, when you're in the energy sector, the competition that's there and just the uh, the need to be uh, addressing issues and concerns are always going to be there. Uh, in our case, you know, we're we're a fuel. We're a fuels for large commercial diesel engines. Whether those be in a railroad locomotive, whether those be in an airplane, uh, an over the road truck, or a, you know, piece of farm equipment. And so, all of those engine manufacturers have you know they're changing all the time. We've always got to be present in that process. And so, from an industry outlook perspective. You know, in 2020, we launched our vision. It was the first update in, in a number of years, but we said then we wanted to be a 6 billion gallon industry by 2030. At that time, we were less than three. So we were going to want to double in 10 years. Well, that was four years ago, right? This is 2024. So for, in, in those four years, out of that 10, we're already well over four billion gallons. So we've we've doubled, we've almost doubled from where we were then in the first four years. And and I would expect us to to reach that six billion gallon mark here in the next couple of years. So it's really been accelerated and that's kind of been fun, really, really fun to watch for us and, and rewarding, quite frankly, to see that kind of growth when, you know, we it's been a slow, steady growth from the very beginning. And now we definitely have hit uh, hit some momentum. Something that kind of tickled me when I first learned about the industry is that we actually started Clean Fuels Alliance America, NBB at the time, before that. Um, but we started just looking for markets before we really had anything to, to showcase. And to go from zero gallons of fuel to over four billion now is really quite inspiring. And now I know a lot of... Um, Folks within the industry are asking, will you have enough feedstock to supply all these new avenues that can be used with our fuels? And the answer is always, yes, we will find a way. Yeah. Isn't that funny, though, when you think about that? I know when people we're challenged with that a lot, especially from the government as well, about, well, where's all the feedstock going to come from? And I can't help but chuckle because this all started, this whole industry started because we had feedstock, soybean oil, we had feedstock that we didn't know what we were going to be able to do with. So could we turn it into fuel because we need to find a home for it? And now here we are, you know, 30 years later, it, almost the exact opposite, right? Folks think there's feedstock constraints. And so uh, we understand where that's at. Uh, we understand where that concern comes from. But, you know, the marketplace is responding. The demand for these fuels is so high right now that, uh, everybody's figuring out what we can do to, to find more. We're, we're seeing the soybean crush industry has responded greatly to the call to uh, provide more soybean oil for us to use. Uh, they're going to increase their soybean crush by over 30% here in the next few years. So those are the responses. As, as, and the, it's rewarding for me because they're seeing what we saw. When we launched that vision, we didn't really know 
where 6 billion gallons was going to come from. We knew it was possible, but we knew that we were dependent on other people to see what we saw. And so now we're seeing that exactly happen. And, and so that's a, that's a really awesome. And the crush expansion in the United States is just, that is massive news. That's incredible. It's huge. Uh, it's, you know, we're, we've calculated over $7 billion, and that's probably conservative, uh, has been has been announced to be invested in the soybean crush industry. I would argue this is the biggest thing that's happened in the soybean industry in probably 50 years. And so it's putting soybean crush uh, facilities closer to farmers and giving them lots of opportunities. And of course, that industry has done so much over the last 15 years as well, just in, in yield production. Uh, the science behind the beans, the seeds themselves have made such a difference. And uh, so that's also adding to uh, to our ability to have access to more soybean oil right there. And so it's, it's, it's has been from the very beginning and will continue to be one of the most important partnerships in our industry is with agriculture. And those new crush facilities also impact local and rural economies as well. It's huge. I mean, if you think about taking a, a $700 million and putting it into a, a, probably a fairly rural area uh, to build a to build a soybean crush plant that, you know, maybe the f- next closest one was 50 miles away, that's a huge deal. Not a huge deal just for the investment being made at the time, but the jobs that are being created there for a long period of time going forward. So it's it's a huge deal, and uh, I'm so thankful and grateful to the soybean uh, crushers out there that have seen what we see and are investing in our industry. And that's just one of the many topics that we will explore in this podcast. Um, we've got the low-carbon fuel standards, which we also briefly talked about, the time value of carbon. What does that mean, and how are fleets registering with that message, and how are policymakers registering with that message of creating urgency to implement our fuels, co-processing, the economic impact of our fuels, the health benefits of our fuels. There's just so much to dive into, and I'm so excited that we're having this platform to sit down with the experts and really just break it all down. That's exactly what the goal is, and so I'm looking forward to it as well. We've got a lot of great people, a lot of, a lot of smart people, so I'm looking forward to these conversations and participating in a few of them here and there. Exactly. We're happy to have you on board and we will, of course, be catching up with you throughout the podcast. They are going to be launching every single week from our studios here in Jefferson City, Missouri, where Clean Fuels Alliance America is headquartered. And thank you for listening to our very first episode of the Better Cleaner Now podcast. We're so glad you're here and look forward to what's to come. Be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast and join us next week for a brand new episode of the Better Cleaner Now podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. To catch all the latest from Clean Fuels Alliance America, follow us at cleanfuels.org. The Better, Cleaner, Now podcast is a production of Clean Fuels Alliance America. That's all for us. Now it's your turn to be better, cleaner, now.